Amen? So let's take this moment. Let's get on our knees. I'm going to step out of the camera, uh, which I think the camera field will take me just a little bit out. And I'm going to get on my knees for a second. Then I'm going, to, I'm going to be silent for about 30 to 60 seconds. You pray silent, and then I'm going to close some prayer, and then we'll get into God's Word this morning. So if you're at home, get on your knees with us if you can. Father in heaven, Lord, we bow on our face before you, just simply observing what you've said in your word, that if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves. And Lord, the posture of our, our faces on the ground, Lord, I pray that it reflects our hearts, that we really are humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God, the gracious hand of God the merciful hand of God. Lord, our country so far has been spared from some of the devastation around the world. You've spared us for many years when we've done many things to deserve, Lord, your judgment. But you've been gracious. And Lord, we just intercede. Uh, but before we intercede, we ask first that you would cleanse us of our own sins. Forgive us, Lord, of our iniquities, our own idols, our own excuses, our own distractions. Lord, our own, uh, Lord, just anything that's taken the place of you as the rightful King of kings and Lord of lords on the throne of our hearts. We ask that you purify us, cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, that you'd be merciful to us as individuals, as a church family, as the larger body of Christ around the world and around the nation. We pray for all the churches that are on their knees today that are praying. We pray for all the body of Christ that you would cleanse us all, purify us, Empty us of ourselves and fill us afresh into with your spirit. Revive us, your people. Lord, uh, light the fire once again that once burned bright and clear, that we would be men and women of God, Lord, that are boldly proclaiming the salvation of the Lord in the name of Jesus. We pray you'd pour out a great awakening upon your church and in this nation. And Lord, in this time of fear and uncertainty and doubt, Lord, uh, you would do what needs to be done more than anything else. You would heal souls, save souls, change lives, transform pe people that, Lord, have been afar off, even in the church. But, Lord, outside the church, we pray that you would uh, open the eyes of those who are in darkness. You would save prodigals, our family members, our neighbors, those that are in hospitals, Lord. We pray that you would save the souls of people around the world that use the body of Christ in Asia and Middle East and Africa and Europe and Australia and the Pacific Islands and South America and Central America. Lord, all around the world, you use the body of Christ. Lord, now would be the time that we would boldly proclaim, but in love, speak the truth of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would heal those that are in hospitals even now. Lord, those that might be on death's door, even now you'd touch them and revive them and bring them back to life. Lord, you would prevent uh, an outbreak of many dying. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just put a covering on our church and the people in this family, but also our nation. We pray that you'd protect the healthcare professionals, doctors and nurses. We pray, Lord, that you'd give them strength. Some of them have been around the clock for days now. We pray, Lord, that you would give them strength. We pray you give strength to your people, to your pastors, to your leaders, Lord, that we would look to you. And we just ask all of these things, in your name, amen.
If we stopped right there, God would already bless. Amen? But turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Now, I'm not having everybody stand and read like we normally do because most of you are at home. So I wouldn't hear you from across the Internet. But God will. And so turn with me to Mark chapter 4. I'm not going to tell the story. You know the story. The disciples get in the boat. Supposed to get to the other side. They can't get to the other side. They think they're going to die. It's a true story, but it's a metaphor for many other things, isn't it? Because they're in darkness. And let's pick it up in the middle of this text, Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 37. Just setting the stage. And again, the disciples trying to get to the other side. They're weary. They go from weary to petrified. That's kind of like us. Many Americans a few weeks ago were weary. They went from weary to petrified. And by the way, before I read this, if you have some fear, you're not alone. I've had fear this week. You're human. We all have some fear. We want to learn to deposit that fear at the feet of Jesus. It's not, uh, some Christians have been super saints. You know, have said, have no, you know, yes, we are supposed to have faith, but, but you have to fight through fear sometimes. You have to pray through fear sometimes. You have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes. So, it, it, you, but if we didn't need Jesus to walk through it, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't say, I'll be your shepherd, right? And then we'd say, I just, I just won't have any fear. You know, that's kind of thing. That's kind of nonsense. We're going to have some fears, but Jesus is going to calm our fears. Amen. These disciples, you think they love Jesus? You think they love Jesus? Yeah, but they were petrified at this moment. They needed Jesus to calm their fears. So I'm praying that God will do that in your heart, in my heart, in all of our hearts this morning. So let's look at it together. Mark chapter 4, verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were beating into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. This is Jesus. Nothing scares Jesus. Nothing. It's the only human that ever lived that nothing scares him. Nothing. Nothing troubled, bothers him. He, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Boy, I know people have prayed that this week. Lord, do you not care that our hospitals are going to fill up and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and my family? And... Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. By the way, if Jesus can talk to the wind and sea, he can talk to viruses, right? It's all part of the natural realm. There's nothing that Jesus can't speak to. But he says these words, peace, be still. Can you imagine being there and watching waves and wind just immediately obey? Oh, that we would be that obedient like winds and waves are. That when he tells us to peace be still, we could be, yes, Lord, I'll be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Let's pray. Lord, we bow our faces again before you. Lord, you can speak to the wind, you can speak to the wave, you can speak to a disease. Lord, help us to have your peace. 
to receive your peace. You're the prince of peace. You pour out peace. Lord, the disciples are just like us. They get afraid when they see things they've never seen before, never experienced before. So we pray, Lord, that you would take our faith and, and make it the size of a mustard seed. That we go from little faith to a little more faith. And that you would pour out your peace in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was driving home from the airport uh, a week ago Monday. I just dropped off my brother at Richmond International. And the background of my mind was all of this research I had been doing on COVID-19 and this outbreak, mainly most of which was barely getting most Americans' attention. This is like three weeks ago I was looking at all this stuff, all this data, all this information. And I'm speaking of the troubling data and details that were coming from other parts of the world that, that really wasn't kind of being talked about that much even on the mainstream media. But it was already a crisis, and it was obvious to me this is serious. And much of what I was absorbing, I could tell our society wasn't ready for. Really, the possibility of it all. I mean, we may see nothing more than we've seen, or we could see much worse, but I, I just didn't see our society as ready for it spiritually, emotionally, preparatory, supply chain, any, any way you want to look at it. Health care, you name it. And frankly, I was weary, and still am to some degree, myself, just getting my head around it all. I was already paying, uh, praying for the potential storm that would come or could come here in the United States. I'd read the scriptures looking for some wisdom, understanding, Lord, give me some peace here, and for God to fortify my own faith. I'd do a little more research, more troubling information, back to the word, back to prayer again. That would be the cycle. More, more research, more overwhelming. Understand that I didn't really want to dig into the information that I was looking at. But number one, if people in other parts of the world really are suffering and dying, and they are, I know that if Jesus cares, I need to care. Amen? He cares just as much about Iranians as he does Virginians. Number two, if the whole thing is overblown, I certainly didn't want to overreact. But if that's not the case, I don't want to underreact. So we need wisdom. Number three, if there is a sea change event coming our way and that it's visible, whether health-related risk, unjustified panic, but nonetheless serious, or perhaps some unprecedented disruption, or all of the above, I needed to pre prepare myself, my family, our leadership, and this church for the reality of what we might experience prepare us primarily spiritually, but also in other ways, that we're ready to minister, that we're disciples, filled with the Spirit in a situation that is plainly observable, though not completely understandable. Does that make sense? Plainly observable, but we don't understand everything yet. But I believe God wants to give us a strategy. Amen? He was preparing the disciples in that boat for future storms, to be ready, but to be calm, to be faith-filled. 
But when we understand that Jesus came to save lives, to rescue souls, to conquer death, the fear of death, and the vileness of sin and death, that he came to die a brutal death on the cross. To do what? To defeat death. When we understand that the entire Christian faith, the entire Christian faith, our life in Christ, is all about being rescued from death. Amen? When we fully understand that, we really believe our life is about being rescued from eternity and punishment, everlasting punishment, we understand why God never sugarcoated the words he gave the prophets and the apostles. Did he ever sugarcoat anything? No. Because he said it's all about, it's a life and death message. It's, he so loved the world that he sent his son. He told them, he told the prophets, he told the apostles, he told the writers of scripture, he told them of judgments to come. He told them of calamities. He told them of suffering. He told them of pain. He told them of difficulties. He told them of uncertainties. All of these things cause mankind to realize our helpless condition and to turn to God for his mercy and his grace. And now Jesus, he came and did the same thing in his ministry. His first words are what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is after he fasted and prayed for 40 days. because He's like, he exploded with this message of repent. In his ministry, he continually expressed the certainty of death for every person. The curse of sin, he talked about that. The reality of eternity, that everyone's going to spend eternity somewhere, either heaven or hell. And that he was the only solution to all of it. Amen? He was the only solution. He's still the only solution. He'll, for all eternity, be the only solution. And so I'm, I'm driving back from the airport with all these things rolling around in my head. That was all. You know, you can have a lot of thoughts, like eight seconds. I'm riding back from the airport, all these things rolling around in my head. It was a beautiful, sunny day in Richmond. Everything looked like it was perfect. But I knew everything wasn't perfect. I knew God was still speaking from heaven to all of mankind. That still, small voice, the Spirit, come to me, come to me, come to me. Speaking to me, Tim, keep bringing it to me. Come to me. I know all this. I know the future. I know the end from the beginning. And I'm processing the times we're living in as well through the timeless scriptures. You can process any, here, any time in history through the scriptures. Amen? It's timeless. And I'm not just speaking of this pandemic and its potential, but as I was just thinking about our times through the scriptures, the contemporary times we live in, and the fixtures of today's modern society. And then this random thought comes into my uh, comes into my mind about all the movies that have become so popular in our society. You, you've seen them. Even if you don't go watch them, you see the billboards for them. You see the T-shirts for them. All the portraying of superheroes. It's been like exploded on the scene. In the last, I mean, it's been around even when I was a kid. We had Superman movies and bullet bounces off his chest and all that kind of stuff. But there's just been an explosion of superhero movies or people with superhuman abilities, even like teenage movies where the teenagers can do all kinds of amazing supernatural things. They can fly, they can circle the globe in like a second. 
lift up buildings, zip into outer space with you know, no space equipment. They somehow oxygen, they don't need any of that. They do all this. They, they can throw lightning bolts of energy. And it's all a fantasy world, isn't it? The whole thing's a fantasy world. People live in their Netflix world. But the world devours it. And then I start thinking of all the world leaders. Now I'm not thinking about the superheroes. I'm thinking about all the world leaders that people have voted for. Some of them they love. Some of them they hate. We have over 100 countries battling this pandemic. Think of all the leaders involved here. World Health Organization, CDC, presidents, prime ministers. Everyone, Muslim countries, Atheist countries, communist countries, everybody, world leaders. I start thinking about all the leaders that are trying to deal with all the experts, all the brightest minds, people in hospitals in full bio. These are all the thoughts rolling around in my head as I'm driving. People in full biohazard gear, all in that gear so they can work on this problem without getting harmed, hopefully without getting harmed. And out of, then the thought comes to me out of nowhere, All these thoughts rolling around my head. This thought comes into my head out of nowhere. And I know it came from the Holy Spirit. Reminding me of this. It's like a still small voice. Your leader has no limits. Knocking on my heart. Your leader has no limits. I'm speaking to you, church. Your leader, if it's Jesus, has no limits. My leader, your leader... Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, can actually do any single thing that man can dream up about superheroes. Anything. Your leader, my leader, can do anything you can possibly dream up unless it's sin. But it's not a fantasy when we think about Jesus. He was the living God, is the living God in human flesh. Isn't that great to know? I continued to think, and then I was now meditating on this as I was driving. Our leader told the skies and the seas to be still, which is why I turned to this text. came into my head at that time. He walked on water. Nobody can do that. He turned water into wine. He defied the laws of physics and keeps taking fish and bread and just keeps multiplying. Physics says that's not possible unless you own physics, unless you're the god of physics, unless you are above the natural laws, because he is. And he, they just kept multiplying. Our leader strolled right out of the grave. Isn't that great to know? Grave clothes, gone. Dead, rolls up out of the grave like it's nothing. He lifted himself up when he was done. You see these superheroes fly. Jesus literally went right up into the clouds. Disciples are there gazing up, and the angels are like, why are you still doing this? Well, because we have never seen this before. This was amazing. Is he coming back? Yes, he is. He went straight up in the clouds, but not just that. Past the entire universe, right past the universe, in a nanosecond, if you will, right to the throne, making this very fallen world that's petrified, rocking and rolling right now, his footstool. Right now, as we're sitting here, Jesus is sitting on his throne, waiting for the Father to give the word. 
But our leader can do anything, is above everything. And then my mind goes back again. These are, these are still, I'm still driving, by the way. You know how you can do, have all this, you're talking to God, you're thinking, you're going back and forth, and somehow you've passed, who knows how many exits, you're like, where, where am I? But you're just on an autopilot, it's just me and the Lord talking. My mind goes back again, I'm still driving, my mind goes back again to the hospitals around the world. The medical personnel that are covered from head to toe to avoid infection. I mean, they, some of the gear is unbelievable, it looks like a spacesuit. But I think again of Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminds me, again, let me tell you a little bit more about your leader. This is God giving me my own little Bible study. My mind goes back again to Jesus, strolling into leper colonies, just rolling right into a leper colony. Everyone else is like, what is he doing? Petrified. What is he thinking? You can't get within 100 feet of these guys. That's why we have them in a little colony outside the town. Understand that death, leprosy was the death sentence illness of that time period. People were petrified of it. You had to call out and shout out a distance. To, and Jesus says, I don't care about any of that. I'm going right in there. He walks right up to lepers. But guess what? Diseases can't touch Jesus. Isn't that great? Diseases can't touch Jesus. Rather, anything he touched gets cured. Disease can't touch him, but anything he touches is instantly cured. And so I picture again our leader, not the very limited, in some cases, arrogant world leaders. Some of them loved, again, some of them hated. All of them limited. All of them are like this right now. Let's try this, let's try this. You know there's pros and cons to every decision they make? Every decision they make has a pro and a con. Jesus doesn't have that. Every decision he makes is 100% right. Our Savior, our leader, he can keep any promise he makes. The world leaders, they can't keep their promises. They can't even keep a simple one. I picture our leader, our, and you've got to love one of his names right now in this pandemic. One of his names is the Great Physician. It's one of his names. Our leader, the Great Physician, our shepherd who will lead us when we need guidance right now. I, I want Jesus guiding me. No disrespect to our national leaders, but I need Jesus as my number one leader, guide, shepherd. So do you. But I see our leader, our great physician, our shepherd, I can see him just walking into hospitals in China, South Korea, Italy, Iran, Israel, Spain, America, walking right into any hospital when every medical personnel is covered in head to toe, walking in with no biohazard gear, no mask on, and the very air he walks is purified as he walks through it. The disease dies anywhere he walks. Just the Son of God in full healing power, pointing, touching, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. That's his power. It's not some superhero figment of our imagination. It's the literal reality of the God who created the world and has the power over sin, death, and sickness. And by the way, I noticed that our movie superheroes 
Yeah, they catch school buses, do cool stuff like that. But I never see them go heal the sick in the movies. You ever notice that? I never see them go and heal people from anxiety or depression or just empty hospital wards. Because Satan knows only one man can do that. That's Jesus. Our leader is totally different. Our leader is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our hero is a healer of sickness, of sin, and of death. But I want to close with a few brief encouragements directly from Jesus as we face some unknowns. And I just want to close with these thoughts. Three things if you're taking notes. And I'll make this brief. Clarity. We need clarity. We need a clear vision during times like this. God is not the author of confusion or our minds and our lives spinning into chaos. That doesn't come from God. That comes from our flesh. It comes from Satan, but it doesn't come from God. Things like COVID-19, I'll admit they are shocking to us, but not biblically surprising. Does that make sense? They're shocking to us, but they are not biblically surprising. Nor are they even historically surprising. When you look at things like the Black Plague and cholera outbreaks, they're not even historically surprising. Yes, they're big. Yes, they're momentous. But when we look at history, you have plagues, you have wars, you have disease, you have famines, you have natural disasters. Jesus told us as we get closer and closer to his return, and by the way, we've never been closer ever to the return of Jesus than March 15th, 2020. We are the closest date ever in the history of the world right now to Jesus returning. By the way, even the doomsday clock, if you go out to the internet, it's at the closest to midnight it's ever been. I think it's 100 seconds. And these are scientists and uh, researchers around the world that kind of measure the world's events and then put it into a clock format. But Jesus said the closer his return gets, guess what he told us we'd see? He said the world will get more and more unstable. In every way, by the way, Jesus said not just a few ways, every way you can think about it, the world will get more unstable. And really, as pastors and as shepherds, uh, it's imperative that we share this truth, not just me, but all of us around the world, all of us that are called to share the Word of God, that we would share this truth, that we have a clear view of the times we're living in not lulling people to sleep, which a lot of times has been happening lulling people to sleep. Matthew 24, 7, you probably know the passage. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be what? Famines, pestilence, which is diseases. Pestilence and earthquakes in various places. You know, we've seen a lot of that this year. The year started out, Australia with raging fires. We've had earthquakes in various places. Now, I, people, you know, people that are atheists, oh, this stuff's been going around. I, I admit, Jesus, Peter said the last days began at Pentecost. So yes, yes the last 2,000 years, we've been in, I use the hockey analogy, we've been in the third period since the cross. But we're late in the third period. And by the way, if you were here last week, I shared our last discipleship teaching on the Olive Discourse. This is the first part of the Olivet Discourse, chapter 24, chapter 25 is the conclusion of the Olivet Discourse where we talked about where Jesus says, and all these things, I want you to go visit prisoners, help the sick. So 
if this part was understandable in the first half, it makes the second part of the Olivet Discourse that much more clear that in light of all these things, Jesus said, I still want you helping people right up until the time I come. Amen? We have our marching orders. He didn't say cower in a corner. He said, these things are going to happen, but I want you to know that I'm in control of them all. Amen? Just like the wind and the waves, he said, I'm in control of these things. You shouldn't be surprised when they happen. You would say, aha, Jesus said this would take place. That actually can assure you. We'll get to that in just a second. If you have a, your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 24 for just a second. Understand clear things that the Bible tells us that we can, in, we can interpret what's going on in the world through the Scriptures and say, oh, yeah, that, this makes sense because God has already said these things. Now, in Isaiah chapter 24, and I don't know, I'm not here to tell you, only God knows, everything that happens on the earth, some things God literally sends, like he sent Babylon to judge Israel. Does everyone agree with that? I can show it to you definitively in Scripture, where he said, I've raised up this nation to judge the nation of Israel because they had continued idolatry. Some things God allows, where Jesus said like a tower fell and it landed on people and it wasn't, there was no specific judgment attached to it. It's just the fallen nature of this world, like an automobile accident happens at an intersection, two people die. It wasn't judgment that God allows calamities, he allows cancer, but someday he's going to heal all that. So we need to be careful as believers not to categorize necessarily, well, is this judgment, is this? But whatever it is, God allows it. But when he allows things, whether it be judgment or whether it be just him allowing catastrophes, and they happen, tsunamis, earthquakes, these things, what we can understand is God always uses them as a leveling effect to remind all people that whether you're a celebrity or a king or anyone else, that you're all under the authority of God. Amen? So look at Isaiah 24, uh, starting with verse 1, and we see that this a clear understanding that God uses things to level everybody to get to the same place where they have to look up. Isaiah 24, starting verse 1, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste. He distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. And it shall be, as with the people, so with the priest. As with the servant, so with the master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the debtor. The land shall be entirely emptied and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. The earth also is defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the law changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and the men left are few. All this is not to cause us to run from God, but to run to God. Amen? What he's saying is everyone becomes equal when things get serious. He says, so with the people, so with the priest. The maid, her mistress. There's no, all of a sudden, your money doesn't mean much. Your position doesn't mean much. Your title, and so God is saying, I want you to understand with a clear thought, as Christians, we need to understand that we all just are vessels that have received God's grace. Amen? 
We've just re- we just received his grace. No one's more important. God's not a respecter of persons. And so a clear thinking allows us to say, oh, Jesus said these things would happen. He said that he will level mankind. To everyone, ha- everyone has to come to the conclusion that, oh, my master's degree is not impressive to God. My doctorate doesn't mean that much to Jesus. My three cars and, and a 5,000-square-foot home does not impress God. All of these things, he says, everyone becomes equal. You'll both need bread and water when the day is over. You both need the same inoculation from a disease. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus is saying, I'm not a respecter of people, but he loves all people. Amen? He doesn't say these things. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. All these things should turn us back to the Lord. So these things should remind us as believers what everything Jesus says, everything the Bible tells us is, is going to happen should remind us that this world is not our home. Spurgeon said when the great plague started to hit London, men didn't scoff as much. Scoffing went way down. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said. But he says men didn't scoff in those days. I have been, I've been on Twitter for about eight years. I've never seen a more scoffing platform in the history of the world. People have become so cynical that they actually are cynical as almost an auto-reflex to anything. Anything. Everyone's a comedian. Everyone has a cynical comment. Everyone has something. If you are a Republican, you automatically hate Democrats. You're a Democrat, you automatically hate Republicans. All this kind of stuff. This auto-reflex of if that person says anything they say, I hate And God looks down and says, the whole world is a scoffing people. He says, the arrogant of the world languish. Eventually, God says, I need all of you to listen. I'm going to make sure you can hear me. God's speaking. And and the more serious things get, the scoffing goes down. All of a sudden, you're like, this isn't really helping me right now. We need God's help. So clarity. Now, we also need calm. We need a calm in the midst of things. But instead of the truth that Jesus gives us, remember he says that there'll be wars, famines, pestilence, all these things. Instead of those things shattering us and making us collapse with anxiety, that to, uh, it would be like, Jesus, why would you tell? You ever, you ever meet people that are like, that tell, don't tell me any bad news, I, I can't handle it. You ever meet people like that? We all feel that way at times. I feel that way at times. As a pastor, I sometimes say, Lord, I cannot handle one more text or email that's bad news. I, I'm the same way. We get that way. But on the other hand, when God is leading us, when Jesus speaks and tells, he told the disciples, all of them, in advance, he said, you're all going to die martyr's death. That would cause some people to immediately quit the ministry actually get out of it altogether. He told them all, hey, Peter, you think you can drink from my cup? Yeah, I can drink from your cup. Well, you indeed will. How about that for an encouraging word? Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you why God does this, because it's actually going to leave you with more confidence than you came here with, I promise you. If you'll listen to Jesus, if I'll listen to Jesus, he is counterintuitive to everything that you understand about how mankind works. See, if we can understand what Jesus is trying to do for us and in us, because if I was him, I would not have given that kind of bad news to the disciples. 
That doesn't seem like a motivator to me. But he did. But Jesus gives us truth that doesn't shatter us. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, eventually the more you believe and understand he's in control over everything, it calms us. It'll actually calm us. Even knowing the worst of the worst, it'll actually calm us because you're like, he's already told us the worst case scenario and he's in control of it. Just like he calms the wind and wave, he'll use his words to calm our hearts. He purposely let the disciples ride those waves out. You realize that he knew that they were going to head in that storm. He, was, he told them to go that direction. And he's like, five, four, three, two, one, here comes the storm. He could count it off. He sent the thing to actually trouble them that he could settle them. Understand, when you see the bad news of what Jesus says is coming, Listen to this really clear. If you don't hear anything else, if you're, on, if you're watching on our live stream, if you don't hear anything else, listen to this, understand this. I believe God wants you to understand this, and it will help you immensely in the days ahead. Once you understand, once you understand that the bad news that Jesus said is coming is true, and then you see it unfolding, it informs you that the good news that he says to you is equally true and will come to you. Isn't that good to know? If the bad news happens, and he said it would happen, then you can know that all the promises he gave to you will also happen. And you can rest in his faithfulness. That in the crazy times, the closer we get to the return of Jesus, the more peace we'll actually have. Isn't that interesting? That's how the disciples, when we see the, when they got near the end of their life, Peter's faith was so much stronger after years of believing and walking these things. He's like, I don't care if you crucify me. Make sure you do it upside down. He didn't have that kind of power when he was a younger man. But it came over time. John chapter 16, verse 33. Look what Jesus says. says again, he, where the, what he informs us of will actually give us more peace. These things I have spoken to you that you may have tons of anxiety... Depression, falling out, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And here comes the encouraging word. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. That's not a motivator again, Jesus. Now he's stealing his disciples. He's stealing them. He's making them like Navy SEALs. He's stealing them and he's saying, look, these things I've spoken to you. If I control the bad, I control the good. And if you can see the bad happen, but you know I'm going to promise you peace, if I promise you that famines will happen, then I'm also promising you peace. Which one are you going to believe? Well, I believe the famine part. I just don't believe the peace part. Jesus says, you've you got to believe them both. I'm in control of both. I'm the prince of peace. I pour it out. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. You actually, right now, even in the midst of all this, God wants you to put a smile on your face. Praise him in song. Don't put on all the most depressing worship songs you can possibly find. Some of them are. Praise songs, too. Say, Lord, I'm going to be of good cheer because you have said these things are coming, but you said I can have peace and even have cheer because I have overcome the world. Jesus said, there's nothing you've seen I haven't overcome. COVID-19 is nothing to Jesus. Nothing to him. Nothing. He can say one word and it's gone. 
But he can say one word to your heart, and anything that's troubling you can be God. I love this passage I read earlier this week. It totally calmed my own spirit as I remembered um, just God's control of everything. This passage in Isaiah, hopefully it will be a blessing to you as well. Isaiah 57, 15, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. By the way, the word eternity is only in the Bible four times. But here's one of the mentions. Uh, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Isn't it our God inhabits eternity? We can't even comprehend no beginning, no end. He inhabits no beginning and no end. He's not caught in the... This whole pandemic is from January till now. It is a blip on the on the radar of all of human history, and God sits outside in eternity. He's already seen Tower of Babel. He's seen the cross. He's seen bubonic plague. He's seen World War II. You name it, he sits in eternity, the high and lofty one. By the way, what I love about this is Isaiah introduces God with this title. The first part is Isaiah speaking, and Isaiah says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. This was Isaiah's way of describing his God. That's your God, my God. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Here's what God is speaking to the church. A contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Is that us, brother and sister? Do we have contrite hearts? God is looking for humble hearts, not arrogant hearts, not mocking hearts, not scoffing hearts, contrite hearts. I was... Uh, I saw, I, I mentioned to a couple guys, you know, recently in the middle of all this, some of our members of Congress tried to squeeze abortion into the COVID-19 Relief Act. Pornhub decided to give all Italians free subscriptions while they're stuck in their house. This is not the contrite heart that God is asking for, br brother and sister. The world, many of them are going to come to Jesus, but many are still going to resist. God's looking for humble, contrite hearts. We have to get softer, not harder. And not just because of this whole thing. We already, God was already calling us. That's why we went through the discipleship series for, 12, for 10 weeks, that we would become more conformed to the image of Jesus. But part of that is Jesus humbled himself to death. We need to humble ourselves. God loves. He is attracted to weakness. He is attracted to humility. He is attracted to a contrite heart. If God is your father, your, your God and father, he sits in eternity. There's no end in either direction. But our protection is not really the steps that we're taking. It's not even social distancing. It's not even washing your hands 8 million times a day and, more san and lathering in sanit hand sanitizer and all the things that we're doing. I'm not saying those aren't prudent. I believe they are. However, it's not any of that stuff that really protects us. Amen? You can do all of that and still die. A million different ways, including of this virus. You can do all of that and still, if you're counting on that, and if you're online, if you're counting on that, that is not your protection. It's the God that lives in eternity and his son, Jesus Christ. He's looking for humble hearts. We'll rest now more than ever. You know, now that we have, um, many of you are going to be working from home more. Now more than ever, give every inch of our life to God. Give it all to God. I've said for years, if you've been coming to this church, you've heard me say it. I, I've said it so many times, I don't know how many times I've said it. I've said that God can clear all of our calendars in a moment. 
Well, I was planning, we have, a, we have our sports traveling team this weekend. We're doing this, we're doing that. And God said, no, you really? Wait. Well, we have this going on, we have this going on. Uh, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna, we've got a whole, I can't even make it to church for weeks because we've got all these things going on. And God's like, I can cancel everyone's plans. Well, we've got a vacation to Disney World. Well, maybe not. We gotta, we're taking a cruise. Maybe not. I'm not making light. I'm simply saying that God is... Many other ways he can clear our calendars. And I'm praying that as he's cleared calendars, that he keeps everybody safe, but we all gather close to Jesus and don't trust in our calendars, our priorities, our careers. Uh, but he's done, he's certainly cleared a lot of calendars in many respects, and I believe more calendar clearing may be coming. But now is the time to relinquish all that we are to Christ and rest in his arms. A.W. Tozer said, You cannot truly rest. Until every, until every part of your life rests in God. You believe that? Every part of our life. As we rest on the promise of Jesus and build our entire life on him, the rock that will never move while the shifting sands of time in this world collapse, we'll still have, and I want to close with, we'll still have confidence. Matter of fact, we'll grow in confidence. Will grow in confidence even in difficult times, like the apostles did, like the early church did. The early church got stronger when Rome came, like a flood against them. To be growing in God's grace during these uncertain times, I believe God wants us to really grow in His grace. It has to be His grace. Everything is grace. I truly believe, I really believe that God is going to greatly grow us in faith. Because a lot of times we talk about faith, but we don't really exercise faith. Now we're going to have to exercise it. Well, it's all going down. No more giving to God. No, no, that's your protection right now. Don't say, I, I won't. I can't give to God. Everything will collapse. We better, you know, no, no. We're going to hoard all this stuff. Uh, we, no matter what, we're not going to give it away because we must prolong. No. Faith is going to have to be exercised. I believe he's going to help us to love one another more than we've ever learned before. Prioritizing our life for his will and for his kingdom. I believe he's going to grow us in a compassion and a love for souls. We're going to, we're going to be praying for our neighbors more. We're going to be praying for people more. I believe that God is going to take this unsettling time and closing things down all around us to refocus us to bring us together as a family under his Holy Spirit. We're not going to be separated distance-wise forever. That's going to be, but we're going to get closer to the Lord and closer to one another by the work of his Spirit. You know, take this downtime. Again, I'll, I'll remind, take this downtime to invest in God, to invest in your walk with Jesus, to open that Bible, to read it, to highlight it. To let God calm you and fill you with confidence, to fill you with faith, and a more worshipful dependence on Jesus. A more worshipful dependence on Jesus. A lot of times we haven't depended on Jesus. We depend on our employer. We depend on our health care plan. We depend on our 401k. We depend on this. We depend on that. But we really don't depend on Jesus. Oh, well, I go to church. I do that. No, no. God says, I want you to. Walk with me, depend on me day after day. Your every breath. Learn to pray without ceasing. I believe God has big plans for us all. 
but we have to believe the words of Jesus. Do you believe the words I read from Jesus? Do you know that every verse except for Isaiah was from directly Jesus' lips? Every word. And the one from Isaiah was directly from the word of God. It was God the Father speaking. So every passage I put up today was directly from Jesus or directly from God himself. The two of the three members of the Trinity, all of it by the Holy Spirit. I didn't even put an apostle verse. All of it was from the Lord himself. That he's the one that gives us calm and clarity and this confidence that we need. Uh, I believe he has big plans for us, but we're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to have to be people of prayer. Uh, don't, don't take time off from God. Eh, well, now we're time off. We can just kind of do what, you know. No, no. If you're even, you can't be here, dial in to the church service every Sunday morning, 1030. You need to be doing that more than ever. Say, you know, if I, you know, in the past we kind of attend church when we feel like it. No, now I'm, I'm reinvesting, making God the priority of my life and that his word and have a prayer time. You join us for that prayer time and then you start praying more as your family. One of our protections is to be interceding for other people. When the more we care, and we pray for those in Italy, and we pray for those in Spain, God's, God loves a cheerful giver. That's giving of yourself to say, Lord, I'm, I'm not just here about me. I'm not just praying about, just keep us safe and have all. No, we're praying for other people. We're reaching out with love. You're going to get a chance to be really loving to your neighbors. You know? So God wants to do this, but humble ourselves, listen to his voice, believe his word like you've never believed it before. I'm going to say it again. Believe his word like you've never believed it before. Pray often. Praise him often. Tell of his salvation to others and those that don't know him. And here's the good news. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to fail us. He's never failed us. He's not going to fail us. We're going to become first century believers that live by faith, not by fear. I believe some of you, uh, I, I've struggled off and on with fear in the last several years. I believe all of us will actually become more faith-filled through this than we've ever seen. God's going to use, again, he used the tough messages that make the disciples less fearful. They actually became more peaceful. They're like, Hey, we've been through storms, we've been through this, we've seen him cast out demons, he's told us these things are coming, and strangely enough, instead of making that making us gun-shy, we've become bold. Paul said when he got thrown in prison, everyone became bold. Isn't that weird? That would seem opposite. God is counterintuitive. He's talking to the church saying, these things will make you more filled with confidence. He'll not fail us. And we know why. We know why. Jesus said, lo, I am with you to the end of the age. That was his parting words there at the Great Commission. Yes, we're supposed to go preach the gospel. Yes, but he, all that, he goes, you won't be able to do any of it unless I am with you to the end of the age. The end of your age, the end of this age, the end of the age. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we humbly bow before you. We thank you that Jesus our leader, our Savior, you died a brutal death to deliver us from the certainty of death and hell, whether it, whether it be death from cancer, automobile accidents, old age, Alzheimer's, COVID-19, black plague, anything in history. Lord, you died to save the souls of men and women because you said in your word, it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. 
but you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. And we're thankful. We can't say thank you enough that you came to conquer death, not to enhance our life, not to extend our life, but to save our lives. And we thank you and we praise you for coming and dying. And Lord, not only for those of us who have been born again, not only did you call us, you said that we did not seek you, you sought us. I know I wasn't seeking you, Lord, and you came and sought me, and you saved my soul, and you saved my brothers and sisters that are seated here and those that are watching online. But Lord, you, not just, you didn't just save us to do nothing. You saved us to fill us with your spirit, to become humble servants of you, to walk with a contrite spirit, to live in obedience to your word, to be your lights, your witnesses, your disciples. And Lord, to help us to conquer fear by depositing those fears at the feet of Jesus, knowing that you sit outside of this world. You sit in eternity. You have all power over sin, de death, anything. You can walk the halls of disease untouched. And Lord, you want to give us that faith, that power, that strength, that peace, that clarity, that calming, that confidence. And Lord, I just ask that you would anoint and refresh and revive and fill each of my brothers and sisters that know you as Lord and Savior, not only in this room, but around the world, that you would, you would set on fire your church in Iran where prisoners, unsaved prisoners, Lord, you've set them free. In South Korea, where there's a great many believers, Lord, in China, where there's the underground church, in Italy, where we've planted, I don't know how many, seven or so Calvary chapels, Lord, around Europe, Lord, now is the time for your body to become not fearful, but faithful. Lord, we do pray that you would flatten the curve, but even more than that, just prevent and heal. But ultimately, Lord, we would proclaim the cure of Jesus. And as you guys just keep your heads bowed, I just want to ask, and there's hardly anyone in this room, and everyone, well, I don't know everybody in this room, even though we have a small group, but those of you that are sitting at home, you know, we've had the blessing of people literally come and tell us, I watched your service online, I got on my knees in my house and got saved. It blessed my socks off when I had someone come up and tell me that uh, in the last two years that I did not even know they were watching, did not even know they are online, but they did. And if you're watching at home and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask that you just get on your knees and ask him now to cleanse you and forgive you for your sins. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'll ask you to just get on your knees and ask him right now to be your Lord and Savior. I think most of you probably do, but I don't know everyone even here, much less those who are watching online. But I wouldn't want to give a message about the cure and not call you to a place of coming to that place that you'll never, you'll never be able to escape the fear of death until you put your faith and trust in Christ and ask him to cleanse you and forgive you. If there's anyone online, I pray that, that you would do that. Get on your knees and just ask, say, Jesus, cleanse me, forgive me. Wash me of my sins. Lord, I'm sorry I've resisted you. I'm sorry that, that I have sinned against you. I'm sorry that I have just resisted your forgiveness and your grace and mercy, but cleanse me of all of my sins. Forgive me. Write my name in your land's book of life, for I've decided this day to follow you, Jesus.
if that's you. And, and let us know if you've done that in your living room. I, I'm praying that in coming weeks, because I believe there's going to be a longer shutdown in a couple of weeks, but I could be wrong, and I fully understand that. But if there is, I'm praying that down the road we see a 1,000 people online and more and more people come to Jesus. And, and what Satan uses for, means for evil, God will use it all for good. Amen? That we will see an opposite effect. That we say, well, this will actually disband everybody. No, it's actually going to pull everybody together. And more people will come to Christ. And that's what it's all about. That's what we're talking about today, that Jesus alone gives us that clarity, that calm, that confidence. I want to close with this verse in 1 John 2.28. I love this passage. Now, John was one of the apostles. He was there with Jesus. He, he outlived all the apostles. And, and I really believe all the saints are up in heaven looking down in a cloud of witnesses, according to Hebrews 12, and they're telling the church, hang in there. You're way closer to seeing Jesus than you think you are. They're getting a, they're getting a sense. You know, only, only the Father knows, but I, they might get a sense up there. They're like, you guys can hang in there. You can do this. You're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb real soon. I'm 51, so I'm going to be there soon enough. I, I, I don't think I have more than the years I've already lived. I've lived 51. I don't think I'm getting 51 more. You know, I'll probably, I don't have any clue. But ultimately, I'm on the latter half end. I know that. I'm on the, I'm on the if there's four laps around the track, I've got two in already, at least, if not more. And so most of you that are in my bracket or higher, you're in the same boat. But ultimately, we've never been close to Jesus' return. And the saints are saying, love Jesus more, look to him more, trust in him more, stand on his promises more, and you're going to have boldness, peace, joy, confidence. And I believe God wants to give us that in, in just an unfathomable measure. And so if things get harder, more difficult, that you won't be petrified, you'll be powerful. You know, you'll go from dependable to spirit-filled. And I believe the saints are looking down saying, you guys can do this because you have a leader who has no limits. You have a leader with no limits, a savior who's already defied everything in the grave and has already given you eternal life. So there's nothing else left to fear. It's like the Middle East Christians that went out with some pastors I know, and they were all scared to go out and do this evangelism. And they said, you guys should probably stay back. And they said, why? We already are dead. They'd already died with Christ, so we need to have that. And John says this to all of us, and now little children, abide in him, him being Christ, that when he shall appear, which is sooner than we think, we may have confidence that we would have confidence in knowing he's going to say, well done, but we'd also have confidence in right now to live. Amen? It's a dual-purpose message that when he appears, but the key is back to the beginning. He's little children, abide in him. Amen? Let's abide in him.